Welcome to the Stories Told Podcast. This is episode 47. You can speak rope? This is the Stories Told Podcast. Two authors talking about stories in movies, TV, and of course, books. I'm Michael Grayford. I write action-adventure stories in fantasy and sci-fi worlds, sometimes for younger readers and sometimes for adults. And I try to always inject at least a little bit of humor. And I am author E.W. Barnes, and I write action-adventure time travel novels and space opera science fiction. Thousands of years, thousands of worlds. But be forewarned, beyond here, there will be spoilers. Are you ready for the adventure? Let's begin. Welcome back to this Stories Told podcast, and a happy 2024 to you. I'm author E.W. Barnes, and with me is author Michael Grayford. And today we're talking about the story told in the 2023 Doctor Who Christmas special, The Church on Ruby Road. How are you doing today, Mike? I am doing great today. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And how what were your holidays, and did you have a happy new year? I did. Um, holidays and new year were fairly mellow. <laughs> I just take it easy and relax at home. Um, nothing too exciting. So yeah, for me, it was fine. <laughs> how about you? It was busy, but it was good. And what is new in your writing world? In my writing world, uh, let's see. Well, I was creating my goals for 2024. So I spent some time coming up with that. And then I have been tweaking ads for Zara One, which I've been horribly unsuccessful at that. <laughs> and uh, other than that, I'm still writing the sequel to The Golden Scarab of Balahar. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm mostly focused on. And what about you? I actually gave myself some time off. Uh, I have some family obligations that needed to be attended to over the holiday. And then I decided to give myself the first week of January off just to kind of recover, recuperate. And so I've just started getting back into things. I've been doing a lot of editing of the second book of The Adventures of the Empyrean Guard. I do my writing a lot as dictation, and so that I don't lose my flow, I frequently will just dictate in questions or things that I don't know the answers to. So I'll just say, open bracket, figure this out later, close bracket kind of things. So I've been spending the week figuring out the things <laughs> that I left in the brackets. So that, you know, the story is more filled in and more substantial before moving on. And I've also started working on the fourth book in my time travel series, Audiobook, which is here on YouTube. And so I started working on the chapters of that and started releasing that. So people who have been waiting for the audiobook for book four can start to see those chapters coming out uh, today, actually. Uh, and those will continue to come out until I finish that book. So that's what's been going wow, on that's great. in my writing world. Thanks. Very good. And as a reminder to our listeners, you can read the Tales of Zara on both Kindle Vela and on Amazon as a Kindle book. And 
The Adventures of the Imperian Guard is available in draft as it's being written on Patreon. And both of those, all of those links are in the show notes. So what interesting stories have you come across in books or movies or TV lately? Uh, let's see. I was watching Marvel's What If show. Have you seen that? Not yet. How is it? I enjoy it. The, the, the first season is a little dark. <laughs> so it's, the concept is uh, it's based in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's an animated yes. show on Disney+. And they just take these questions, you know, what if instead of Captain America, there was Captain Carter? You know, something, something like that. There's these different events that could have happened at these key moments in time during the MCU. And then they run with an alternate storyline. Um, and they kind of mix it in with the multiverse type stuff. The first season was the first season I really enjoyed. It was uh, a little dark, like, you know, not everything ends up with a happy ending, <laughs> which is, you know, I, I enjoy that every every once in a while. Um, but this the second season is a lot more hopeful, a lot more, you know, they end a little bit more optimistically. Um, so if you didn't like the first season as much because you thought it was too dark, try out the second season. Um, you might enjoy it a little bit more. I did enjoy the first season, and so I'm looking forward to the second season. Thank you. Yeah, check it out. What about you? What have you been watching or reading? You know, we actually started watching the Percy Jackson and the Olympians series, and I'm really liking that. I, you know, of course, I've heard of the books. They've been out for a long time, and they've been quite popular, and I've never gotten around to reading them. And so when I saw that that was available on Disney+, Plus, I went ahead and started watching it and I've really enjoyed it. Now I have a, you know, a familiarity with the Greek myths, so it all feels very familiar to me, for lack of a better word, but I've been I've been really liking it. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll have to check that out as well. I never I never read the books either. I never saw the movies. So I yeah, I don't really know much about it other than I think it's I think the age target is just slightly that younger than mine for my Zara series. So I should probably check it out because it's hugely popular and yeah, see what it's about. And I have not found the, the age to be an issue. You know, sometimes I'm not crazy about stories in this particular age area simply because they may spend a little too much time in the angst world. And I'm not a big fan of angst, but that this story doesn't do that. The story is moving along and it's introducing you to the concepts very quickly and sort of the rules of the world quickly. Uh, I think the action is really good. The characters are good. So I'm, I've been enjoying it. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. Are you ready to talk about Doctor Who? Oh, I'm ready. Today we're talking about the story told in the 2023 Doctor Who Christmas special, The Church on Ruby Road, and I will read the short synopsis from IMDb. Long ago, on Christmas Eve, a baby was abandoned in the snow. Today, Ruby Sunday meets the Doctor, goblins, stolen babies, and perhaps the secret of her birth. So did you like this episode? Um, I'm, very, I'm very mixed on this episode. There are definitely things that I liked about it. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun here and there's a lot of promise. Um, I also have 
a fair amount of issues with some of the things. We can, we can talk about that <laughs> when we talk about things that could be improved. Yeah, so there's definitely parts I liked. I, I loved the idea. There's coincidences, uh, you know, luck, if you want to call it that, that weave you into like the tapestry of time or the tapestry of a day. That concept is very cool. I really like how they played with that. And I liked how getting specific to the characters, I like how Ruby wasn't just going to let the the baby be taken away. <laughs> She's like, no, what are you going? No, I'm chasing that thing down. So I like that. I liked how Ruby and her mother both thought uh, Lulu Bell was a terrible name. And then, uh, of course, the doctor comes in and he loves the name. He's like, I wish I was called Lulu Bell. I liked that. I thought that was really funny. I liked, I liked, I guess this is something that I generally enjoy with Doctor Who is the concept of making impossible things seem real in their world and kind of come into existence somehow. Like, how could this possibly be? And then they come up with this, you know, oftentimes ridiculous but fun Doctor Who way of explaining things. And, of course, they definitely do that here with the, the goblins and the flying goblin ship. I'm like, how does that work? There's no real explanation. <laughs> but I think it's one of those things that probably, you know, came in because of the toy maker. I have a feeling this kind of thing is going to happen a lot in this season and maybe more seasons to come. Uh, they kind of opened the door for magic or alternate physics, as maybe the doctor would say, uh, coming into play. So that's fun. I'm, I'm interested to see where they go with that kind of thing. And then, uh, let's see. I like how they left open some of the mysteries. Like, we don't know, you know, who's Ruby's parents are, what what is going on with that. Obviously, that's going to come into play into the future. And then the the neighbor lady, who clearly knows what a TARDIS is, there's obviously something going on there, and that, that character is going to come back at some point, unless that was just a strange throwaway thing for this episode, but I doubt it. I like how he he saves, I think her name was Davina, the, the lady who was looking into the genetics of Ruby. I like how he saves her from the, the falling tree, but he doesn't save her from being hit by a car or being trampled by a moose or any of the things that happened before. <laughs> so she's still left with all of those injuries. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I don't, I don't think that was intentional, but <laughs> I just kind of noticed that at the end of the episode. So yeah, there's a lot of fun here. Um, the way they set up the goblins is kind of like this fantasy element, you know, brought into the world. The singing sequence was kind of fun. I enjoyed how they played with that. And the Doctor and Ruby get involved in there. I thought that was fun. Though I have more thoughts about all these things later we'll get into. Um, so yeah, there, there's definitely things I liked. Um, but there will also be things that I didn't like. So how about you? I think you have a more positive take on this episode. So what are the elements that you liked? You know, I, I love this episode. <laughs> but I think the reason was it sort of crystallized as you were speaking. It's because it was fun. It was full of joy. And for so long, we lost the joy in Doctor Who. And this had the joy again. And it was just, there was not a lot of depth and weight hanging on this story. It was just a fun, 
lovely romp. And I think that's what I really enjoyed about it. There was all these little bursts of joy. It's the only way I can explain it. You know, when he tells the police officer that she will, she's going to say yes, because he detected the diamond in his pocket that he's going to propose on Christmas. I mean, it was just, that was lovely little pop of, of joy. And then when he says, talks about his special gloves and how they resist the force of mavity, which comes out of a previous episode where they accidentally ran into Isaac Newton and changed the name of gravity to mavity. That was funny. I mean, just these little things. And I actually really enjoyed this element of fantasy that they brought in with the goblin ship and how it looked fantastic instead of science fiction. I thought that was a really good crossover. And I think your point about the carryover from the toy maker, I think is a really good point. I think that's well taken. I think we're going to see a little bit more of this sort of playful events because of that influence. So I think that's a really good point. I loved the whole, again, like you, the tapestry of the coincidences and how they lead to the next step and the next step, all the sort of the examination of probabilities that come out of the decisions made and the things that happen and probability being luck. Luck is probability, right? So how that is all woven together to create a pattern, which doesn't always seem like there's a pattern, but the doctor says there is one. And I, I really enjoyed that. The language of luck, he called it. And I thought that was really cool. And I really love how Ruby Sunday, like all the good companions, just goes with it, right? They're not going, oh my gosh, this is bonkers. I can't stand this. This is so disagreeing with my view worldview that I can't even think straight. They're just going with it. They're very flexible in accepting that something very strange is happening and they're going to work with it. I really enjoyed that. I love the fact that the doctor dances here. And again, that goes back to the joy. This doctor has a lot of joy, and it's really pleasant to see that. Then I also really enjoyed the family that, you know, Ruby's family, especially Cherry. I wrote down a note here that says, Cherry is this version's Wilf. You know, Wilf was a source of wisdom and a source of humor. And I see Cherry acting in that role here as well. So I, I really enjoyed it. It kept me engaged the whole time. I thought it was a lot of fun. The only thing I would say that sort of stood out for me, and we can talk about this a little more as a little jarring, is the neighbor and her discussion of the TARDIS, of breaking the fourth wall. I was not sure what the point was there. And I think, in my opinion, that each time the doctor regenerates and the doctor gets a new TARDIS and the TARDIS sort of reflects that doctor's personality, that doesn't seem to be the case here. The TARDIS seems so very sterile and barren compared to the warmth and joy of this particular doctor, this iteration of the doctor. So that's the other thing that kind of stood out for me. But other than that, I really enjoy this episode. So I guess we should probably talk about what we might have done differently as writers. Yeah, you brought up some good notes there. Um, it's, a, it's a good insight into the companions. I think, you know, in order to the doctor, they have to be someone who's willing to go along with things and, and just run with whatever crazy events are happening <laughs> and being open to that, right? Otherwise, they they wouldn't work. So I think that's probably, you know, part of the reason or part of the way that he finds people to, to travel with them, right? Because they have to be open to that. So that's a good insight. I also didn't get the breaking the fourth wall thing at the end. 
I rewatched that part thinking, oh, maybe she was saying that to the other guy, but he had already left and she specifically just turns to the camera. I don't know that Doctor Who's done that before. I mean, there's been a lot of episodes, so I might be forgetting. Um, but that seemed odd. <laughs> yeah, and then you're and you're right with the TARDIS. It's like a very sterile TARDIS. It's neat. I, I like it. It's, it's visually interesting, but you're right that it doesn't seem to fit this character. Anyway, those are smaller things. For me, this was one of the weakest Doctor Who Christmas episodes, and I think that's largely because a lot of the ones that I think back to that I liked, like, remember the one where the woman is, like, in this cryopod, and she has, like, X number of days yes. days to live, and the guy comes and visits her every year on Christmas, and they spend the Christmas Day together, or Christmas Eve, I forget which. And even the the sleep crab, the dream crabs, things like that, they they... The good ones, they have a lot of, like, strong feels, you know, some good emotion, sort of Christmassy-like yes. feel to it. And I didn't get that from this one. Like you said, this one was more just focused on being, like, kind of a fun, zany episode. And I didn't get that feel, that Christmas feel that a lot of the really good previous Christmas episodes had for me. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't as invested in it. Even with the baby, I felt like the baby was kind of a cheap prop. It's like it's kind of a cheap way to try to get you to care about what's happening. And it's like, I, I don't know this baby. I mean, this baby's just, just there. It exists. It's like I'm supposed to care because it's a baby, not because I have any connection to it. They didn't really build up to that. So I felt like that was kind of a cheap thing and didn't work for me. It's like, okay, the baby's going to get eaten. I, I mean, I guess that's sad. <laughs> you know, I didn't feel connected to it. I think what your point about the Christmas special is a really good point. And I had not considered that. Because you're absolutely right. The Christmas specials do have a lot of feels. And I'm trying to think, did we ever have a Christmas special in the New Who era? So since 2005, where we actually met the new Doctor for the Christmas special? I'm trying to think. I, I think so. I think, I think we have, but I, I'm not sure. The one that you were talking about with the woman in the cryopod, that one was a continuation of an existing doctor. And the sand crab ones, that was a continuation of an existing doctor. Yeah. But, and there was the one. So I think like maybe the, the problem star. here. Sorry, go ahead. You talk. <laughs> the, uh, no, the Christmas star. Was that meeting a new doctor? I don't remember now. It's so long ago. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Anyway, I'll have to think about that because I think yeah. you raise a good point. I was viewing this through the lens of a new doctor with a new companion and not through the lens of a Christmas special. And from that standpoint, I think you're exactly correct. It doesn't it did not have the resonance of a Christmas special with the Christmas theme and the Christmas message that they always try to convey. I was looking at it as just a regular Doctor Who episode which I thought was a really good one. So yeah. I'll have to rethink that because I think that you raise a really good point. I, I think that's why. That, that was my biggest gripe with it was that, because I, I tend to look forward to the Christmas episodes. I'm like, oh, cool. It's like, it's a different thing, right? It pulls me out of the zaniness to some extent uh, and puts me in a different mindset. And I don't feel like this one did that for me. Um, also, I felt like the yeah. the pacing was a little bit off for me. There was like, in the beginning, we get a lot of glimpses of, goblins kind of setting things up for ruby to have accidents and whatever and it's like i kind of felt like 
okay, I, I got that after the the first time, and then definitely after the second time, I didn't need con- continuing episodes of that. It's like, you know, trust me as the the viewer to get what's going on here. So that felt like a little bit much. And then I felt like there's the part where they go to the goblin ship and they get the baby back. And then we go back to the house and then there's like domestic life again for a while. And then it's back to the ship again. It just, it felt kind of discontinuous to me for some reason. I felt like it wasn't, it wasn't a good flow, not a huge complaint, but it just, I felt like that could have flowed a little bit better. The singing part. I thought the singing part was fun, (laughs) but it also kind of took me out of the flow of the story. It didn't feel natural in the context of what was going on. It's like they just start singing. Like if if the singing was like key to their power, you know, the goblins' powers or magic or something, it might have made a little more sense. It might have fit in a little better. It felt like they just wanted to have a singing part and they just threw it in the episode. It didn't flow naturally for me. And then especially when the Doctor and Ruby start singing, it's like, why are they singing? It felt weird. Like... If this had been the episode of uh, Star Trek where they had the whole singing episode, <laughs> like it made yeah. sense in that con- it made sense in that context where they just start singing, right? They explained it in that world. Here, there was no explanation. It's like the- we just want to sing now. It's like okay, it's fun. It's kind of a fun little song, but it felt it felt a little out of place to me. And I thought the the goblins as an enemy were kind of lame because I didn't really. I didn't really get what was going on. I didn't really understand their goal. It was just, we're going to get this baby who was, you know, juiced up with coincidence and they were going to feed the Goblin King. But like, were they all going to eat this little baby? <laughs> I don't know. Like they feed the Goblin King and how does that help the rest of them? And if it's, if it's coincidence that makes someone more delicious, then why wouldn't you have someone who's lived most of their life and have coincidences their whole life wouldn't they be really 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 juicy (laughs) and have more you know metaphorical meat for the goblin king so that like it didn't seem like it didn't seem like they had world builded out the goblins or the goblin king all that much again it just seemed like hey they wanted to do this fun thing and they threw it in there i might be very over analytical with this because i know you know doctor who's always sort of loosey-goosey (laughs) <laughs> with, with world building stuff so maybe we look past that for the, for what's obviously supposed to just be a fun episode introducing these two characters there's other stuff with the goblins that i didn't get like how do they work in the world like nobody sees them nobody has seen them this whole time but they they have to come down on this ladder every time <laughs> so things like that kind of pulled me out of the episode a bit and then i thought the end with not the end, but the end of the, the goblins where the doctor pulls the ship down. It's like, it did, it seemed a bit out of character. Like, he just killed the goblin king outright. Like, oh, he's dead. There was no trying to reason with them or give them another way out. It didn't seem very Doctor Who-like. And then also with the the woman who drops off Ruby as a baby, we see her and the doctor's there. And he just lets her walk away. It seemed very un-Doctor Who-like also. Like, he's very curious and wants to know what's going on and is very happy to put his nose in other people's business. And he just lets her walk away. That seemed really odd to me. It seemed like a writer thing because they wanted to have another mystery to play with later. And they could have easily done that by just not having her be in that scene. So I, 
some things like that like pulled me out of the episode because of like logistical sort of issues that I saw. Anyway, I, I've, I've talked enough. What, 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 do you have thoughts on what I've brought up? And do you have other thoughts on how you would improve this episode? Uh, yeah, actually, about the goblins. So when I saw the goblins and, you know, sort of watched their interactions, it rang some very, very dim and distant bells for me. And I think, I'm not sure, but I think there may be some understood lore about goblins, perhaps in like British culture, that we're unaware of. Because it seems to me that goblins eat babies. That's like part of the goblin-ness, their goblin-ness, right? And they had in the Hobbit, the goblins sang. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe there's sort of a goblin cultural thing that we're just not aware of that made that stand out to us. Because I, I, when I that watched it, I was, I was thinking it just felt familiar. Like I'd heard of this before or encountered this before. So it didn't stand out for me as much because of that. I'm just theorizing now. <laughs> it was just what popped in my head when you were talking. I, you know, I don't actually know if that's the case or not, or if I was just going with it. I, the only thing that really stood out for me and really took me out besides the crossing the fourth wall with the neighbor lady was to me, the goblin, he was, he's destroyed the goblin ship because of the urgency to get Ruby out of there before she was eaten. So that's kind of how I went with it. But you're right. It would have been nice if the doctor had done what the doctor's done in the past when they were on board to rescue Lulabelle to give the, the goblins an opportunity to surrender peacefully. And that would have been in, in, con in character with what we've seen in the past from the doctor. The thing that I actually disliked was the way that the Goblin King was killed. It felt gratuitous. You know, the spire through the, you know, yeah. like stabbing the Goblin King with the spire of the church. That felt sort of icky and gratuitous. That took me out. Um, it was sort of like, we, we didn't need that. The, they could have just blown the ship up and we would have gotten it. Goblin's dead. Right. So, um, that was the piece that I didn't like. I didn't mind so much. <laughs> I didn't mind so much the doctor letting the woman walk away because I, I guess I trust the doctor. He must have had a reason for not doing it. And you're right. It, it could look like a convenient writer hook to add story on in the, in, uh, in the future. The only thing that actually stood out for me, which is kind of funny, is having had a child... I would not be walking away in heels and a skirt several hours later. So I'm not entirely sure that that woman is actually Ruby's mom. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was my thought too. Not, not specifically because of that reason, but it's like, we don't know who this woman is. Yeah, exactly. I was sort of like, you're moving too comfortably for having <laughs> just funny. delivered. So I'm going with not Ruby's mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and this, this, again, this might be a, just a very doctor who thing, but they set up in this episode, like Ruby and her mother, there was like this, this great bond and I forget her mother's name, but she, you know, she points out like, man, you know, how much Ruby has impacted her life. And she's like, you know, it's her, she's so happy with where she's at and thank goodness she came into her life. And what would her life be like without this? And then at the end of the episode, Ruby just leaves. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> that struck me as a little odd as well. I know that's a very Doctor Who thing, but she doesn't even say goodbye. She's just like, oh, I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm out of here. I think I think it's it, again, it struck me as odd because they had made such a point to set it up like this significant bond between them in this episode, like half an hour earlier. And then she just leaves without saying a word. I thought that was a little uh, funny and odd. And the, the other thing I noticed in this episode, and not just this one, but we now have had a few episodes leading up to this point. We've had these setups, right? Like in this episode, we have the lady who breaks the fourth wall, obviously knows what a TARDIS is. We have the unknown parentage um, and origin of Ruby. In previous episodes, we had like the, the ring setting up the master. You know, and more. There's there's other things which I'm not remembering now, but I know there's at least one other thing. And it's it's beginning to feel a bit like they're just telling us this stuff rather than just letting it be there. It's like they're really, really pushing it into our face. Like, here's this thing that's going to have a payoff later as opposed to just letting it be there. And then when it comes back again, we can enjoy it. So I, I, I'm hoping there's not much more of that because it's it, it just seems too, I don't know, forceful or obvious or something so that's that would be one of my takeaways from this is don't don't spoon feed us everything i feel like we got a little bit of that in this episode with those setups and with the the repeated goblin you know setting up the accidents at the beginning it's like trust trust the viewer trust the reader we don't you don't have to spell everything out for us or push everything right into our face we can get it (laughs) we 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 can see what's going on uh, so that's my writing takeaway. My takeaways are that I agree with you about the spoon feeding piece, especially in this day and age of streaming where people can watch stuff and do watch stuff over and over again to pick up all the subtle details. Build in the subtle details for them to find on a reread or a rewatch because it's like a treasure hunt that they really enjoy. And I think that leads to a very satisfying experience. So I agree with you 100% on that. Not spoon feeding, but putting it in there for discovery again on a reread or a rewatch. The other piece of it is, is the the thing that I loved about this was the joy. There was so much happiness in this episode. The doctor's happy. Ruby's happy. Her family's happy. I, I do, you know, appreciate when there is something to overcome in a character that the, allows the character to grow. But I also really enjoy seeing the goodness balanced with what needs to be learned for the growth. So we have Ruby wanting to know what her history is, which is the mystery, what she's going to need to learn and grow from. But we also have existing joy. I like that balance very much. Yeah, those are great notes. I like that. Thank you for joining us as we talked about the story told in the 2023 Doctor Who Christmas special, The Church on Ruby Road. A big thank you to our Patreon supporters and all our subscribers. We're so grateful to you for your support and your encouragement. The Stories Told podcast is available on multiple podcast platforms, and we thank you for liking and subscribing or following, depending on where you're listening. It may not be a big deal to you, but it means a lot to us. You can find Michael Grayford at michaelgrayford.com and E.W. Barnes at a thousandyears.com, and those links are in the show notes. Join us next time as we discuss the story told in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. 
Thanks so much, Mike. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, it's always fun to visit Doctor Who. And we'll see you next time on the Stories Told Podcast. <laughs>